good morning again, everybody. Hey, do you like the person you're sitting next to this morning? Good. That's good. I was going to say, if you don't, you have a moment right now to get up from your seat and find a new, new chair. How awkward would that be if, like, Rachel just got up, Mike, and she came up here beside Courtney? That'd be really awkward. Well, hey, seriously, thank you for being here. And as always, we not only want to welcome everybody who's, who's in the room right now, but we also want to say a special thank you to everybody who's hanging out with us online. In fact, those of you who are in the room, can we join together and welcome those who are watching online right now? And Truly, in this season, no matter where you find yourself, we're just, we're grateful that you're making the effort to stay connected and to plug in, and that's, that's kind of our, our big encouragement right now. In fact, today is day seven of our 21 days of, of prayer and fasting. In fact, if, if you're not really familiar with our 21 days of, of prayer and fasting, no worries. In fact, we would just encourage you to jump in right now. Like, it's not too late to begin. You can go to our website, ethosoh.com forward slash 21 days. You get all the information there concerning what this is all about. Tomorrow marks day eight. We also have some more prayer cards, both for adults and for your kids. And those can be found at the Endless Together table out in the forest. So if you didn't grab one of these last week, but you want to physical card, you can grab one of those when, you're just, when, when we leave today. Or if you're online, just go to the website, click on that link, and all the information is there. But I really believe that unequivocally, this is the single most important thing that we do as a church, is to, is to pray. And it cannot be overstated or understated just how important prayer really is as it relates to the way in which we grow and partner with God in this, in this life. And, and so, so we want to just jump in, even if you haven't jumped in yet, just jump in and, and and start today and kind of follow along with some of our, our prayer points and our prayer prompts. And, and, uh, and hopefully it's been encouraging to you so far. Hopefully you really kind of just sensed in some way God just speaking to you, even if it's in kind of little ways throughout these 21 days. And so, so I'm encouraged. I really am. Hey, we, we are in week two of our of our series, Emotionally Healthy Relationships. And last week we kicked this thing off with a message that healthy relationships begin with me. And if you weren't here, you weren't able to, to watch online, we, we basically kind of talked through the vision of where we're going in this series. And it kind of stems from what we're calling the cycle of healthy relationships. First and foremost, identifying that healthy relationships in our life, how many of y'all know, they're God's plan. Like, like we didn't come up with this. Like, like modern psychologists didn't identify ways to create healthy relationships. Like this was all a part of God's plan from from Genesis chapter one. And, but but in, order to, in order to see healthy relationships come to pass in all of our lives, well, we gotta, we gotta take personal responsibility. We gotta recognize that they begin with me, not the person sitting next to you, not the person who is your, uh, the person who oftentimes we point the finger at and think the reason why there's so much unhealth in our world, in my relationships, in my home is because of that person right there. No, like it, it begins with me. And then, and then together, collectively, as a church, and not just as a local church, but as a capital C church, but we can really only take responsibility for, for us here at Ethos. we got to embrace the way in which God models relationships for us, and we gotta, we got to model them as a church. And when we do so, they begin to produce a countercultural unity, a unity that is intended to be attractive to the world, as we identified last week, a unity that Jesus prayed for in John chapter 17. How many of y'all are, are you kind of remembering this a little bit? Can I see? Great, four of you. That's awesome. That's fantastic. And, and, it, and, and because it becomes attractive to the world, that, because, because the truth is, as we talked about last week, a lot of people will say things like, I, I believe in God, I just don't, I just don't believe in the church. 
But Jesus actually prayed and modeled for us that people, the, his vision for the church is actually intended to be that people would believe in the, they believe in the church even before they believe in God. That the way that we would relate with one another, the way that we would model and behave with one another was intended to be so attractive that the rest of the world was like, wow, I want in on that, right? I want to in on God's plan right there. And so today I want to, I want to just go a little bit further. In fact, in two weeks, or no, I should say next weekend, we're going to talk about forgiveness, how to, how to give it, how to extend it. Forgiveness is one of those teachings of Jesus that is much easier to talk about than it is to actually apply to our lives. And then in two weeks, a good friend of ours, Pastor Brad Cooper, he pastors a fantastic church in South Carolina called New Spring Church, really great. He, he's kind of a big brother in my life. He's one of our overseers here at Ethos as well. He's gonna be with us, he and his wife, and they're gonna, he's gonna speak into the life of this series as well. And in fact, he's gonna be doing a, some leadership stuff with us throughout that weekend too. And so I'm looking forward to him coming and being, being with us. I actually think that Brad Cooper one of the greatest church leaders of our generation. I think you'll, if you're able to be with us or watch online that weekend, I think you'll, you'll really be encouraged. And then, and then after that, the final two weeks of our series, we're going to talk specifically to singles and to, and to married folks, and Courtney and I are going to do some of, those, some of that together. And so I, but, today, but today, I just want to, I want to build upon kind of where we went last week. We're going, get, we're going to get pretty practical, and I want, to, I want to share from a message entitled, Sticks and Stones May Break My Bones. But words, they've got even greater power. How many of y'all know that that's, that's true? Like, I, I remember when I was in eighth grade, and I was playing football, and I was a running back, and, and it was just a scrimmage against our own team. Like, we were, it was just a practice. I can remember it so clearly, because it was a Wednesday afternoon, right after school, and and I was running the ball right up the middle. It was a dive play directly to the right of the center, which if you don't know anything about football, that's just like, just go straight, more or less. And so I got the ball, and I'm, and I'm being tackled, and I literally, just in this moment, looked to my right and saw this linebacker. who's actually a good friend of mine coming, and he's about to tackle me from the side, and I'm kind of, in, kind of being hit by a lineman in front of me. And, and he ends up landing on my ankle, and my ankle just kind of bends in a direction that your bone is not supposed to bend. Anybody break, break any bones before? Yeah, quite a few of you. And, and, and instantly my ankle just swelled and I hit the ground in pain. And the school nurse was like, okay, you, you need to probably wait a day to go to, the, go to the doctor, let the swelling go down just a bit. The next day I go and sure enough, I, I fractured my ankle. Hey, hey, good news is you don't have to be in a hard cast, Jordan, but you're going to be in an air cast for about six weeks. And it's going to be about six to eight weeks until this thing is fully recovered. Now, fast forward one year. It's my freshman year of, of high school, and it's the first week of school. Now, I've basically been the same size, like same height, roughly the same weight, about the same hand size, same shoe size since eighth grade. I didn't realize how big I was when I was that young. People thought I was going to be like a giant. Well, in ninth grade, I'm walking through the halls of the school, first week of class. I'm kind of nervous, as every freshman is. And I see an upperclassman. He's a senior. And he, he yells out to me, hey, what's your name? And I think, I've arrived. An upperclassman wants to know me. Yeah, you do. And I said, Jordan. He said, not anymore, gorilla hands. <laughs> What's, this, this is human hands. 
And, and literally, for about seven years, true story, for seven years, I was more comfortable with my hands in my pockets than I was with my hands exposed. In fact, in fact, it wasn't until I met my wife, and she said, I always wanted a husband that had big hands. I said, girl, I'm going to leave these things exposed. She went, I got, I got you. And then I went and beat up that kid from eight. No, I'm just kidding. You want to come out with a big? I got you. Yeah. No, but the reality is, is that it took about six to eight weeks for my ankle to recover. Not too bad. It took about seven years for something internally to heal. Because words, they, they, just, have, they just have greater power in our life. In fact, emotionally healthy relationships, I want us to, I want us to get this kind of at the, the top of our message here. They, emotionally healthy relationships, they understand, two parties that both understand, that words are meant to help, not to harm. But we use our words today in manners that oftentimes do more harm than what they actually, what they actually help. Scientific studies have shown that Positive and negative words not only affect us on a deep psychological level, but they have significant impact on the outcome of our lives as well. In fact, in some ways, you are a sum total today of the words that have been spoken over you and been received by you over the course of your life. There was a neuroscience experiment that was done called Do Words Hurt? You can Google this study. It was done by Maria Richter and some other scientists. They monitored individuals' brain responses to auditory and imagined negative words. And during this process, they discovered that, quote, painful or negative words release stress and anxiety-inducing hormones within within their subjects. Biologist Dr. Mark Pagel, he speaks of the potency of our words, explaining that through language we are able to, quote, implant our ideas into another's mind. Language provides the rails on which every thought rides. Dr. Andrew Newberg, he's a neuroscientist from Thomas Jefferson University. He states in his books, in his book, Words Can Change Your Brain. Really fascinating book, by the way. I don't endorse it fully. There's some things in there you gotta kind of filter through, but really interesting study. He says, quote, a single word has the power to influence the expression of genes that regulate physical and emotional stress. Like, this is this is stuff that in the last two or three decades now, scientists have been doing a lot of studies on how our words affect us and impact us. But what's interesting, though, is that for the last several millennium, the scriptures have been way ahead on this topic. Because, because we know this. Many of you are familiar with this. And maybe you're newer to church or newer to God, but listen, listen to what Solomon writes in Proverbs chapter 16. It says, kind words are like honey. They're sweet to the soul, and they're healthy to the body, not just metaphorically healthy to the body, but, but scientists have discovered that they are actually physically healthy. The words we speak, they literally can provide health to somebody else's well, well-being. In fact, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of study that's been done even as it relates to the way in which words impact organizations. There's a CEO development coach by the name of Aaron Barnes. He's got some really fascinating articles out there. And he writes that a strong company culture is one that's derived from shared positive language that's based on organizational core values. That even secular leadership coaches, secular organizations are identifying words they matter. Now, we know this kind of on a, 
on like a topical level. We understand that words impact people, but, but I forget, I think sometimes we, we don't fully understand that they can, they can really be used in a manipulative way and they can be used in a truly helpful way. And of course, kind of the more famous scripture as it relates to our words is, is where Solomon says that the tongue can bring death or life. Everybody say death or life. Death or life. They can bring death or life to those who love to, and those who love to talk are going to reap the consequences of the things that we say, the consequences of the negative words, the consequences of the, the beneficial, beneficial words. Now, once again, before we go any further, this is going to feel really elementary, and I don't intend for it to be. I just want to ensure that we have a foundation before we go any further today, because I'm going to get really practical here, but we got to understand that our words influence us, and words influence others. Again, at the risk of sounding like too elementary, like words that people say to you, they influence you. But healthy relationships begin with me. And so we're looking in the mirror through this series and we're saying, okay, but, but how are my words influencing other people? Because in emotionally healthy individuals, they understand the power of their words. And this is something that we all have to grow in, myself included. Because I love to talk, as you can imagine. And as a result, as a consequence, I've got I've to be cognizant of the words I speak. Sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not. But one of the things I begin to discover is that I think there's, there's four things I want us to kind of lean into as it relates to the way in which our words impact our relationships. And the, the first one is that healthy words are intended to communicate clear expectations. Clear expectations. Now, now this is probably a unique point as it relates to a relationship series, but, but I... But I want us to really identify that our words can greatly affect how we become frustrated with our relationships or how our relationships can become united and grow with one another. See, most relationships, most relationship frustration, rather, stems from unclear expectations. Have you noticed this before? Like, like we, we, we are very prone to mind reading into making assumptions about what other people think. And what, what the scriptures encourage us to do is to clarify our expectations. And as a result, we can, we can be a part of actually bringing healthy relationships to fruition. Look again at what Solomon writes in Proverbs 18. He says, fools have no interest in understanding. They just, they just want to air out their own opinions. They just want to share what they want to share, but they don't, they don't seek first to, to understand. In my relationship with, with my wife, more practically, when, when Courtney and I are, are just assuming things about one another, it never goes well for us. Like, you've seen this play out in your own relationships. You've seen this play out in your marriage or with your friendships or with your coworkers or with your, with your boss. If, you're, if you have employees who are under you, if you don't share clear expectations with them, and, and suddenly they're not living up to your assumed expectations about them, you become really frustrated with them, don't you? And yet they're not sure why you're frustrated. You're like, you haven't, you haven't clarified what you even want me to do. 
Well, that that same thing plays out in all of our peer-to-peer relationships. It it plays out in every arena of our life because assumptions, making assumptions, they're a breeding ground for division and frustration. I have a a mentor in my life who always tells me, he he says, Jordan, he said, he said, assumptions, if you don't clearly communicate expectations, people will begin to assume, and, and assumptions create this breeding ground for division and frustration, because people always feel, always feel kind of negative space with negative thoughts. And so if we don't clearly communicate what we're trying to, what we want, what we expect from a relationship, generally speaking, it leads to frustration and and as a result, to division. Like, we, we need to have more conversations. It would do us well, church, to have more conversations that just say, hey, like, I think that you think I'm responsible for unloading the dishwasher. Like, is that correct? Is that correct? Like, I think that you think I'm responsible for fill in the blank, any blank. Is that correct? Like, do you, do you feel I'm responsible? Can we talk about this? Can we clarify expectations? I'm telling you, so many relationships would be so much healthier if we just clearly communicated what our expectations are within that relationship. I know this seems so trivial, and yet it leads, if we, if we neglect this, it leads to so much unhealth. Like, like, hey, I noticed that you didn't return my phone call, and that's unusual for you, is everything okay? But, but what do we usually do? We just assume. And when we make assumptions, come on, y- y- y'all know what happens when you assume things, right? It makes something out of you and it makes something out of me. Like some of you, you got that, some of you don't got that. And that's okay, it's okay. But assumptions, they're, 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 nothing good happens when we assume. Nothing good comes as a result of assumptions. So let me, let me kind of wrap this point up, because we've actually talked about this before, but I want to I wrap it up with, with this idea that, that what expectations, like ask yourself, what expectations do I have that I have a right to have, and which ones do I, do I not have a right to have? In fact, here's, here's really practical right here. Valid expectations, and, and we, we mentioned this before in our Emotionally Healthy Church series that we did a few months ago, but valid expectations, they, they're conscious, they're realistic, they're spoken, and they're agreed upon. And they're not valid if they're unconscious, unrealistic, unspoken, and they haven't been mutually agreed upon. And so we gotta come to this, we gotta, healthy words are used to clarify expectations. Are you with me? Now, this is like, this is really practical here. But the, the second thing, healthy words are, are honest. Woo, okay. Now, I'm going to step on some toes, and you don't even know I'm about to step on some toes. I'm going to step on your toes, and you might not even know I'm stepping on your toes. So I'm going to take your shoes off and let your toes be stepped on, okay? Because, because I think a lot of times we don't even realize how dishonest we are. But every relationship is built on trust, every single one. Whether it's a relationship with a friend, with a spouse, with our kids, with our parents, with a coworker, or with an organization at large, every relationship is built on trust. And when that fades away, our relationships become super unhealthy. And it all stems from like, are, are we honest? So, so let's, let's just do a little poll here, okay? How many of you would be honest enough and vulnerable enough in a room full of friends and a room full of family online as well? We can see you if you raise your hand. We really can't. We put cameras in your home. No, we didn't. But, but how many of y'all would be honest enough to say, I've lied within the last 24 hours? 
I've lied in the last 24 hours. Okay, great. Okay, great. Yep, yep, okay. Those of you who didn't raise your hand, statistically, you lied. (laughs) Research has actually shown, true story, that the average person lies four times in one day. And we don't even know it. That's a problem. Like, in fact, other studies have shown that 60% of people lie within 10 minutes of having a conversation with somebody, which is the reason why I usually sneak out every conversation right on the nine-minute mark. No, I, I don't, but I should start doing that. I really should. And it's, we, we sort of have within us this propensity to, to just lie. We exaggerate stories. We cheat on tests. We cheat on taxes. We tell little white lies that we don't think are a really big deal, but they all start to slowly erode our relationships because the consequence is that the lie will always catch up to you, and you have to begin to live that lie out as well, don't you? Have you ever found yourself telling a lie? Maybe you were younger, maybe you were older, but then you're like, oh, shoot, now I have to keep that lie going? And that becomes exhausting, doesn't it? But, but it's interesting because, because we know this, we understand this, but... But like, lying never does us any good. Like it, it, it never, listen to this, listen to this. Sometimes what we do is we just sort of manipulate things and we, and we excuse it. We're like, oh, it wasn't, it wasn't that big of a deal. But we used our words to kind of say something in a manner that we wanted it to come across. Even though we're still telling the truth, we're telling it in kind of this, this unique warped way. In fact, there's... This article that I was reading not too long ago, and, and now I'm about to reference somebody that you're instantly going to think, oh, this is like a political thing. It's not a political thing. I'm making no political statements here. I promise you I'm not. It was just interesting how he, it, how he said it, but Senator Jeff Markley, he, he said this. He, he said, words have power. He said, if I tell you a hamburger is 80% lean opposed to 20% fat, then in some sense, I'm communicating the same thing. But what, but what people get from those two communications is very different. People perceive the 80% lean hamburger as much healthier than describing it as the 20% fat option. By choosing how you frame and talk about something, you are cueing others to think about it in a specific way. We can drastically change someone's perspective by how we choose to talk about and frame something. It can be used both for life and for, and for death. And we know this, kind of inherently we understand that, that God doesn't really like it when we lie. Like he detests lying lips, but he, he delights. The, the, the little Hebrew language here is that he leans into those who, who tell the truth. In fact, furthermore, in Proverbs 6, it, it actually lays out seven things that God does not like. It says there's six things the Lord hates. No, no, there's seven actually that the Lord detests. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies or, or a gossip. A person who sows discord and creates division within a family or within a community, within a, within a church. Three of the seven things here all have to do with what we say. Not even what we do, just, just, what, we, just what we communicate. Now begin to think, like, why do we lie? Like, what's the root reason behind even just a small little white lie? Well, I think it's because, I think the root reason is because we, we just don't completely trust God. Think about it for just a moment. Like, we, we think that the lie will work better for us than the, than the truth. Like, if I tell a lie, I won't get in trouble. 
I can control the situation. If I, if I tell a lie, you might like me better. If I tell this lie, I can avoid some conflict here. But lies will always bring, they're always gonna bring bondage though, always. The truth will always bring freedom. And it's not until we expose those lies too, it's not until we get honest within our relationships about the things that we've been, that we've been even just maybe slightly misleading people on, that, that we can experience the freedom that, that Jesus intended for us to, to experience. And, and so we gotta, we gotta stop believing the lie that, we gotta stop believing the lie that a lie will work better than the truth. It's just, it's not true. And then the third one, and this is, this is, I got four points, but the last one's gonna be really fast. This is kind of the last one. And I think this one's, a, I think they're all a really big deal, but as it relates to healthy relationships, y- y'all with me today? Uh, I, we, we got we to catch this. We got to catch this. And I was tempted just to kind of make this the one singular point of the entire morning, but, but, but healthy words, they understand how to prophetically encourage people. Let me, let me unpack this just a little bit. Pa- Paul writes in Colossians chapter 4 that our conversations need to be gracious and attractive. Remember our cycle of healthy relationships? Like like our words are intended to be attractive to the people around us so that we'll have the right response for for everyone. You know every word that you speak, every single one of them, it's like a seed. And and I want us to think about our words moving forward like, like everything that we say, we are nothing but seed throwers with every word that we speak. If our words contain beauty, People treasure those words. But if our words contain pain, people toss them aside. But never before that, never, never until they had to deal with the wound that those words caused. Because every word that you speak, whether it's just to a friend, whether it's to your spouse, whether it's to your employer or your employee, no matter who it is, every word you speak, it, it has significant potential. It, you and I were made in the image of God. In fact, all of humanity are image bearers of God. And as a result, just as God's word has significant power, our words likewise have, have power too. They have the power to influence people in manners that you and I often forget. Remember, our words influence us and they influence others. In every word you speak, it begins just sort of like a small little seed. And it's hard to imagine that contained within this seed right here, as small as it is, contained within it is the potential to become a really healthy pumpkin. Hmm, this is a pumpkin seed. Why did I choose a pumpkin seed today? Because it's what was in my pantry. <laughs> but, it, but it's interesting, though, because, because think about when I was in ninth grade, there was a word that was spoken over me, and it was just a small little seed. But that seed, for me, it was a weed. And it grew in me, and it stripped something out of me. It stripped a security in who God made me. And it stripped, a, it stripped, a, it stripped an identity away from me that someday my wife would love about me. Come on, somebody. But, but, but even bigger than that, There's been words that have been spoken over you and some of you are still held captive today by things that someone said about you over a decade ago. Some of you have gifts inside of you that have been dormant for years and years and years 
Because somebody said something about you, whether you, whether you respected them or not. And that's, the reality is that our words don't only influence people who look up to us. Our words just influence people, period. And they have significant power to bring about in somebody something beautiful or something not so, not so beautiful. Is the question that I want us to all think about. It's like, which, which ones, like which words are we gonna choose? Like, it is not only just what we say, but it's, it's the tone in which we say it too, isn't it? Like sometimes it's not just what we, sometimes it's not just what we're communicating, but sometimes it's how we communicate it. I think one of the things I, oh man, one of the things that frustrates me so much as a pastor is when I see other, other pastors communicate God's word in a manner that I think, oh, that, I just don't believe that's the tone that we're intended to communicate that with. I believe the truth you're sharing is truth. I just think you're disguising it with a tone that God doesn't want us to communicate it with. Well, likewise, we do the same thing in our relationships all around us. Years ago, I heard somebody tell me, they said, Jordan, I I think encouragement is best defined as the ability to put courage in somebody. Like, Like, what if every encouraging thought you had about somebody whether they, were, whether they were in front of you in the moment or they're on the other side of the world, what if, what if every encouraging thought you had about somebody was, was a thought that God placed in you to share with that person? Like, you know, our God is a God who wants to put courage in you to do the things that you don't think you can do, to do the things that, that would exercise the gifts that have laid dormant in you for so long. God, help us to get this. And God wants to use you. He wants to use your words to communicate encouragement to somebody else. You and I walk around all day long and God is speaking to us in ways that we don't even realize he's speaking to us. Like he's wanting to use you in manners that you don't even realize he's wanting to use you. If you think about somebody and it's an encouraging thought about somebody, I want to encourage you to share that thought with them. Shoot them a text, give them a call, write them a card, send them a gift, whatever it may be. Because that just may be the thing that, that God is wanting to speak to them and he's using you to do it. And he's, try, he's trying to use you as a vessel. We think, God, use me. One of, the, one of the most beautiful and practical ways that God uses us is to put courage in somebody. Like, what if, you just, what if you just saw a single mom just, just every week just bringing their kids to church, just bringing their kids to church, bringing their kids, you thought, man, that's a great mom right there. Mom, you're a great mom. Do you know that? Uh, no, I mean, if you saw me, no, no, stop. You're a great mom. I see you every week. Like, you know, we have a creative team night coming up tomorrow night. At, at Locks Creative, Jeremy's in the back right now. It's just across the street from here, actually. It's about a quarter mile from here. Really great facility. He's, he's agreed to let us use his space for, for just like, 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 I think, what are you charging us? Like seven grand or something a night. And, 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 and the team night, really, it's, it's interesting because I think there are so many gifts that lie dormant in people that we don't even know it. We don't even know it. But like you've, had a, you've just had a thought before. You're like, I, mean, I, I wouldn't mind trying out 
to, to, to play on the, on the platform. Like, I, w- I wouldn't mind doing that, but like, ah, but like, what if they reject me? What if they don't like me? What if I don't fit in? What if I don't feel comfortable? What if I, I somebody told me I wasn't good enough before? Man, I, I wouldn't mind helping in production and, and learning how to run sound in the, like, but I, I don't know. Like, that just seems like too difficult. Like, it doesn't, I don't know, but like, I, like, man, if you ever had that thought, like, well, I'm encouraging you to go out to creative team night because listen to me, listen, you can do it. Like, you can do it. That dream that has been lying dormant within you, 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 you can do it. Like, the enemy is constantly trying to drown out the encouragement that God has placed within you from birth. He put a, God put seeds inside of you. And I actually believe that us, as followers of Jesus, we are to be those who continue to plant that seed into other people, continue to water those seeds that have been planted in people. Are, are you with me, church? Like, are you, are you following? Like, does this make sense? Like, I just, I think we got, we got to learn to understand our, our, our words. Like, they, they can prophetically place courage in somebody to do the thing that people never thought that they could do. Like, I'm telling you right now, like, I am a byproduct of the words that have been spoken over me for years. I actually think that Ethos Church is a byproduct of the words that have been prayed and the words that have just been sown into this community. One of the reasons why we actually try to be really intentional with our words, with our core values. We do a leader's creed that we, that we all say together at the beginning of every in the morning when we're praying over the day, all of our leaders are gathering together and we, we do this leaders. We try to be so intentional. Why? Because I, I think our words really matter. I think they, I think they just plant seeds. And over the course of decades, you begin to see the, the, the produce, the fruit of those seeds coming, coming to pass. Paul, Paul goes on in another place in Ephesians 4 and he says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will bring encouragement. Like let our words be encouraging to those who to those who who hear them now that doesn't mean that you have to listen to me listen to me you don't have to like everything you don't have to like everything but you also don't have to talk poorly about everything you don't like oh. like be careful what you say on social media because your words don't only have seeds when you're saying something face to face. Your words have seeds when you're saying something behind closed doors. I look at my friend Grady Dalzell. He, he and I were grabbing coffee just a few weeks ago and we were having a great conversation and, and I was sharing something with him and, and, and I love Grady and I love our friendship and it's so life-giving to me. And, and, and as, we were, as we were talking, I, just, I, I was sharing something that after the fact, about an hour later, I, I thought, oh, I wish I wouldn't have said that. Because if I can just be fully transparent, I said something about someone that I wasn't proud of an hour later. And Grady said, no, I didn't think it was bad. I said, yeah, but it was just a little bit too, it was just too far. And I don't, I don't want to say that. I just, I don't want to buy into the trap that even in a, even in a space like that's safe, that I can just vent about whatever I want. Like, I, I just don't want to buy, I don't want to buy into that trap. Like, I don't want to buy into the lie that because I, well, because I don't know them, I can just say whatever I want about them and give my opinion about them. Like, like I, don't, I don't know that athlete, I can say whatever I want about them. I don't, I don't know that politician, I can say whatever I want about them. I don't know that doctor, so I can say whatever I want about them. Like, we don't have to like everything, but we also don't have to, sh- we also don't have to talk about everything that we don't, Oh, God, we got to... Our words, they're encouraging or they are prophetically discouraging. 
And some of us know this. Like your words, they, they, they shape your world. They, I'm telling you, they, they really, really do. Like we gotta be careful about the words that we're sowing. Proverbs 10, he says this, like, it says too much talk, it just, it leads to sin. Like we just talk too much. It just, be sensible. And sometimes it's just best just to keep our mouth shut. I've, I've had to learn that the hard way. I'm telling you right now, chief of all sinners. Like I, I am preaching to myself right now. Like we gotta, sometimes it's best, Jordan, just shut up. Stop talking. You don't even know what you're talking about anyway. So stop trying to impress people and act like you know what you're, just shut up, just stop. Yeah, okay, you're right, Holy Spirit, thank you. Sometimes, yeah, you're right, thanks, Courtney, I appreciate that. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna close this point out with, with this scripture in 1 Timothy chapter one. Paul is writing to this young pastor, his name is Timothy, he says, hey Timothy, encourage people, tell people, don't let them waste their time with, with endless discussion of myths and spiritual pre pre pedigrees. These things only lead to meaningless speculations, things that just, they just don't help people. Like some things, like just filter through, like does this help anybody? This doesn't help people live a life of faith in God. The purpose of my instruction, Timothy, is that all believers, all like us today, would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, genuine faith. But some people have missed the whole point. They have turned away from these things and they spend their time with meaningless discussions. They want to be known as teachers of the law of Moses, but they, they just they don't know what they're talking about even though they speak so confidently. Wow. And so, so what do we do then? Well, here, here's kind of the practical here. When, when you think about something that is kind of negative, like share it with God. Vent to the Lord about it. And when you, when you think about something that's encouraging, pass it down, pass it all around to people. Like just so words of encouragement. And then lastly, I'll close right here. Healthy words, they're, they're an overflow from the heart. They, they start right here. Because Jesus, he, he knew this. He said, whatever's in your heart, this is our Savior speaking. He said, it, that's what determines what you say. So, so a good person produces good things from the treasury of, of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you're gonna give an account on judgment day for every idle word that you speak. The words you say, they're, gonna, they're either going to acquit you, they're either going to help you, or they're going to condemn you. Like our, our, our words, man, they're an overflow. The real problem isn't, isn't our tongue, it's, it's our heart. And if our heart remains untouched by God, then our words, they, they show it. If you, if you really want to see the true character of somebody, just hang around them long enough and listen to the way that they talk about things. Listen to the way they talk about seasons of life and circumstances, and you'll begin to kind of see what's in their heart. And as a result, as we take individual responsibility, healthy relationships begin with me. We can begin to speak words of life and encouragement over them, and it begins to kind of, it begins to kind of change and transform and shape their heart. But practically speaking, how do we individually allow our hearts to be shaped and molded into the image of Jesus, I think the first thing is we got to we got to put a filter on what are we what, what, what are we allowing into our heart, like the media outlets that we listen to, they get into your heart. 
Like a, a while back, I just said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop, stop watching the news. I'm going to stop listening to the, to the news. And I just, I just read now. In fact, I get an email every day. And it tells me kind of what's going on in the world. It gets, gets sent to me flip side, it's called. It gets sent to me and it tells me what the left is saying about that thing in the world. It tells me what the right is saying about that thing in the world. And I think I delete it and I, I go on with my day. I want to stay informed, but I, do, I just don't want, I want to be careful like how much am I allowing into my heart though? I can become so negative. The tone of the preachers that we listen to, it, it, it gets into our heart. Come on, the, the things that we, that we just entertain, like the conversations that we allow to be entertaining in our world, like they just they get into our, our heart. The movies, like I, I'm not trying to place this conviction on you, I'm really not, but for me, years ago, I decided I, I'm not going to watch movies and television shows that have a lot of sexuality in them. Because I just realized, like, it's not good for my heart. Like, it's, it produces nothing positive in my life. And as a man who is visually stimulated, as all men are, I just realized, like, that's not good for me. Again, I don't place that conviction. I'm just, I try to, just in it. But, like, if, if, that, if that's you too, you're like, yeah, man, I've noticed. Like, some of that's just not good for me. Like, some of the things I'm watching, it's just not healthy for me. There's a lot of really entertaining stuff. We just started a show not too long ago. We got two episodes in, and, and it was, like, just so vulgar. We're like, man, the show is really good. Like, I could binge watch this easily. But after about two episodes, Court and I both looked at each other and we're like, I don't think this is good. I don't think it's good. I don't think it's helping us. I think it's, I don't think it's helping us. Then, and then lastly, the, the second part of this, how do, we, how do we make sure that, how do we make sure that like what we're letting into our heart is the right thing? Because Proverbs said, you gotta guard it. You gotta guard your heart. Above all else, your heart determines, determines the course of your life. And so, so as a result, then we gotta invite God to change our heart. That's what we got to do. Like, like I, I believe, I believe in praying like these, these prayers that they don't seem real, they don't seem real bold, but like they really are. Like just a prayer like, God, would you transform my heart? And just watch what he does through the course of your week and month and year to come. Like, God, I, I want to have a heart that's transformed by you. Like, I, like I, I want to have a heart that, that it, that's encouraging so it overflows into words of encouragement to others. Like, would you transform my heart? Is that's, what, that's what I just, that's kind of how we close today. Like, I just want to encourage us, to even today, as we just begin to reflect on how powerful our words are as it relates to the way in which we can build healthy relationships with one another. Like, if you just begin to change whether you talk about your spouse, not just to their face, but even behind closed doors, Watch over time as you begin to plant those seeds, that relationship begins to change. As you begin to plant seeds about the space and the place where you work, man, I hate my job. I hate my boss. What if we begin to just change how we talked about it and watch as those seeds begin to plant into the soil of our own soul, into the soil of the, of the, of the spaces and the places around us. It begins to produce positive fruit. Like I, I'm telling you, man, just... If you don't believe me, if you don't believe the scripture, just try it. Just, just, just test it out.